Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. Good morning. So glad that you've joined us via live stream today here at Salem Alliance Church. My name is Jennifer, and I'm excited to be moving forward in our wind-powered series today. Some of you who've been following along in this series may have noticed that there is a theme that has been just kind of popping up week after week after week. Maybe in your house churches, you're already starting to say the word. It's, it's the theme of unity. Whether it was Steve's launch of the message or the last couple weeks talking about spiritual gifts or Rob's message last week that was on unity, this theme keeps cropping up. And it's been fascinating. On preaching team, as we dove into this series, we knew that it would be about the gifts of the Spirit and walking in the power of the Spirit. But as we each began to dive into our separate passages, we kept coming back week after week after week with this thought that it's unity is in every passage. I remember the week that Brian Candelo came and said, I think mine is about unity. And Rob's like, but I'm the one who has the week on unity. Don't steal my sermon. And I think the thing that maybe has surprised us a little bit is that as we look at what it means to be wind-powered people, to be living according to the Spirit within us, we find that we are brought into this place where unity is the thread that weaves its way through all of it. The unity of the body of believers is so important to God that it's written in every place where we see what it means to walk in the power of the Spirit. It is leading us toward this place where we walk in love and unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So don't be surprised if you keep hearing this thread throughout our Wind Powered series. This morning, we are going to move ahead to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the classic love chapter. Some of you may have had it read at your weddings. Maybe somebody cross-stitched it for you and it's hanging on a wall. But I'm guessing that most, if not all of us, are very familiar with this passage on love. But before we dive into the details of it, I want to consider where we're coming from as we approach the message today. We know that in Scripture, as Paul has written this letter to the Corinthians, that they are a church coming from a place of division and dissension. They've been having a hard time, you guys. They've been arguing over who's their favorite preacher, how to deal with sexual sin in the church, how to deal with people who are getting drunk in communion, or the roles of men and women in the church, or comparing their spiritual gifts with each other. They've had these tensions that have made it difficult for them to act lovingly towards one another. I don't know what your difficulty might be, but I'm guessing that there is a person or a situation in your life where it is hard to love, to act lovingly. And as we begin to look at 1 Corinthians 13 today, I'd like to invite you to ask yourself the question, what is one relationship or situation where it is a challenge for you to love? We're just going to pause for a second. We're going to think about this. What is one relationship or situation where it is a challenge for you to love? I could make the assumption that based on our global tensions, that it is about politics or maybe about COVID protocols. But I want us to go a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit personally with this question of what's this relationship or situation where it's a challenge for you to love? Because maybe for some of us, it's family. It's a family wound that goes back so far and is so deep that we still walk with healthy and appropriate boundaries with that person. And yet, we find it a challenge to love. Maybe in the workplace, you have felt misunderstood or even mistreated. And it's really hard to go day after day and act lovingly. 
I don't know if it's your neighbor or a teacher. Maybe even your spouse is this place where this tension rises. A friendship that's turned sideways and you're just confused on what does love look like now? I'm hoping that you've got something in your mind that as we dive into scripture, you're actually holding close this this one idea that we're going to come back to a few times today. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and I would really encourage you to grab a Bible or pull up your app, pause if you need to to get a Bible, because we're going to go through this verse by verse today, and I'd love it if you could follow along with me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1 says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Friends, here's what he's saying. He's talking about the fight that the Corinthian church was having about the gift of tongues. And the gift of tongues was given on Pentecost. Do you remember the day when the tongues of fire came and it rested on the people who were praying and they were filled with the Holy Spirit? And when they left that room, they were proclaiming the glory and the love and the gospel of Jesus, but they were proclaiming it in languages that they didn't know. It was called the gift of tongues because they were talking in all languages so that all people could hear the good news of Jesus. The gift was given for the influence and the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. And what he's saying is, if you can speak all languages, even in the tongues of angels, but you don't have love, then you're a clanging gong or a clanging cymbal. Friends, I want to show you something about a clanging cymbal. It's kind of fascinating this. Uh, We've got one right over here today. And what I'd love to show you, and actually I'm moving this because I can see that you can't actually see it. We're going this way. Okay, it's the live stream. There, now you can see my cymbal. Okay, I have a clanging cymbal. And here's what happens when I pound on, just pay attention. Did you catch that? It's actually really hard to hear me when there's a clanging cymbal. We can speak in all the languages. We could be eloquent communicators. But if we don't have love, we are unheard. We are unheard. We have no influence for the kingdom of God. We have no voice. These things that we want, we want to be a people whose voice is heard. We want to be a people who speak clearly so that other people will understand us. But wherever our communication platform is, whether that's verbally or written or in a blog or on a social media post, if we are not speaking with love, then we are like a clanging cymbal and we cannot be heard. We are unheard. Let's go on to verse 2. It says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So if I had the gift of prophecy, so I could see the future, or I could clearly see the mysteries and the vision of what is going on in our world today, if I understood all of God's secret plans, if I understood the mystery of God and I really got his grace and his love and his truth and the fact that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, if I understood all those things, if I had all knowledge, friends, if I possessed all knowledge, do you know what that means? Science, environment, emotional intelligence, problem-solving intuition. What it means is I would always be right in all my opinions, in all my thoughts, in all of my problem-solving. I would be right. 
It goes on to say, if I had faith that I could move mountains. So I've got an authentic faith that believes in God so much that I can pray and say to this mountain, move, and it will move. And if I have all these things, but I have not love, I am nothing. Zip. Zero. Zilch. Nada. I am unknown. Friends, catch this. All these things that our world values He's so smart. He's so wise. She's so experienced. They're so emotionally intelligent. I want to talk to that person because they have experience. All those things, unknown, because we are practicing them without love. You have to catch this. We can be right and unheard and unknown because we don't have love. Let's read on. Verse 3. If I gave everything I have to the poor, so I'm so generous— And if I even sacrifice my own body, so self-sacrifice and putting others' needs in front of my own, even to the point of being a martyr, I could boast about that. But if I didn't have love for others, I would gain nothing. I would gain nothing. These good works, these good deeds, these things that God actually created us to do, hear this, they are good. But if they are done without love, we gain nothing. We are unrecognized. People can't see our heart. They can't see our motive. We are unheard. We are unknown. We are unrecognized when we are living without love. No matter how great of a communicator, no matter how smart or wise, no matter how generous or self-sacrificing, if we have not love, we are not being a reflection of Jesus in this world. We are not influencing others for his kingdom. And that's what the big idea is today. The big idea is that wind-powered people have influence for God's kingdom because of their love. Wind-powered people have influence for God's kingdom because of their love. Because of love, because of the way God loves us, because of the way out of the outflow of that we love others. When we, we go here in a minute to verse four, it's going to tell us that love is. It's going to list all these things that love is. And the reality is that we could substitute the word God is because first John tells us that God is love. So if love is these things, then God is these things. So as we dive into this list, I want you to keep in one hand the truth that this is the way that God loves you. This is the way that God loves you. But the other way I want you to do as we read this list together is that I want you to remember that God is calling us to live this way. So in John chapter 13, he says, a new command I give you, not that you would love one another. And so as God gives us this command, we need to know that He is calling us to live in love with others, just as he's calling us to recognize his love for us. So we we look at this passage of scripture knowing the things that we're about to define, this is the way that God loves us, and this is the way that he calls us to love others. So let's dive in together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient. That means that it is slow to become angry. It is slow to make assumptions. It is slow to react. Friends, in this letter to the Ephesians, Paul said, bear with one another in love. 
that we should bear with one another in love. It means that we actually carry a burden as we wait for others, as we wait for God to move, as we wait for forgiveness to be extended, as we wait for maturity and growth. We bear with one another in love. Friends, love is patient and love is kind. Kindness is often expressed through our words. It's often expressed through our facial expressions. It's often expressed through our gestures. Kindness is when we see somebody and we listen to them. We ask how they're doing, and then the next time we see them, we remember, and we ask again about their need or their family. Kindness is when we notice people and we care for them. Love is not jealous which means it's not competing and comparing for other people's attentions. Friends, one of the things that shows us that jealousy is at play is when we become over-possessive of others. Jealousy is when we're afraid of losing something that we love. And love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud. Pride is that attitude when we feel like we are better than others. Maybe it's conscious, maybe it's subconscious, but somehow we just have this sense that we have a skill or ability or a heritage that sets us above others. And boasting is that verbal outplay of that pride. It's when we talk about our achievements and our accomplishments and the things that set us up from others. Sometimes we don't mean to be boastful, but in our insecurity, we're trying to prove that we're worth something and we are being boastful. And love is also not rude. It doesn't lean into sarcasm in times when, when we need kindness. It isn't teasing or bullying. Love is kind and patient. It does not demand its own way, and it's not irritable. Friends, sometimes we demand our own way. I want what I want. It's kind of the two-year-old syndrome. You can picture that. No, give me what I want. But sometimes it's more subtle than that. It's the ways that we manipulate or withdraw, or hold back love until the situation shifts and we get what we want. And friends, that's not love. Love doesn't demand its own way, and it's not irritable. It's not easily agitated or annoyed. Love keeps no record of being wronged. I want to pause here for a second and say this. When we are wronged, there are sometimes traumas that go very deep. When we are betrayed, or deceived, or falsely accused— attacked. I don't want to say that we forget that, but there's a difference between remembering with forgiveness and keeping a ledger, keeping a record of the ways that we've been wrong, tallying up how much is wrong and how much is right. And love does not keep that record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. I think in our day, this word justice has caught a little bit of tension because I think there's different perceptions of what justice looks like. But this is saying that when truth wins out, when God's truth, when the truth of the kingdom of God wins out, that is when love rejoices, when justice is served. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Friends, it's this crescendo from the details of the day-to-day being patient and kind and not rude. It reminds us of God's heart for justice and his never-changing truth that can guide us along the way. And then it finishes with these thoughts that it never gives up. And when we never give up, when we never lose faith, when we believe that God can move the mountains in our life, when we are always hopeful— believing that the thing we have not seen yet is still something that God can do, that kind of love endures through every circumstance. Friends, that kind of love is the way that God loves us. 
That kind of love is the love that the Father pours out on us. Think about this. Your Father is patient with you. Your Father is kind to you. His voice is not rude. He keeps no record of your wrongs. Friends, God isn't reaching back in the past to say, you've done this and this and this and this wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That is the way that you are loved. And when we live in this true experience of God's love, something bubbles up out of us and it's this. We begin to be more patient. We find that our words are more kind. You know, a crazy thing about this whole picture of love is that so much of it is experienced by what we say. It's the words that come out of our mouth. In, in the prophets, it says that life and death is in the power of our tongue. Sometimes I think a picture of love might be this one that comes up here. This idea that there is a friend who will hold our mouth and will remind us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is reminding us to be slow to speak because, friends, sometimes we can express our love when we take a deep breath, when we count to 10, when we refuse to react, and maybe even when we engage in the conflict with a question. Rather than coming at it with, why are you always so? Or I can't understand how you could think. When we come at it with, hey, this was hard for me. Can you help me understand? Or even just, how are you doing? Tell me what's been going on in your life. So often when we can find out what's been going on in somebody else's story, it relieves the tension and we're able to act more lovingly because we understand that they are also wrestling with the challenges that this life gives us. Friends, I want us to think about a couple things. The first one is this. In this list, love is patient and kind and good, not rude. Where do you need to see God acting on your behalf? Where's somewhere on that list that you have a hard time believing that that is actually how God feels about you and how he interacts with you? And the second question is this. What are the clanging symbols in your life and relationships? What are the clanging symbols in your life and relationship? Where are the places that you're trying to love? You're trying to tell people your truth. You're trying to communicate. You're right, but they can't hear you because you're being impatient or irritable or your words are coming out rude or attacking or you're being jealous and overly possessive, I invite you now to consider this list. We're going to put it back up on the screen, this list of all these things, and to ask Holy Spirit to show you what is it that you need to believe about God in your life and where is it that you have a clanging symbol that he wants to convict at this moment and show you a way to change and do it different. So when we started this message, we thought of a circumstance or a person that's difficult for us to love. We just looked at a list of, God, what is it that I have a hard time believing about your love? And what is it that I have a hard time living out lovingly towards others, especially in this specific person or, re or relationship situation where it's hard? And now as we finish this chapter, I want to summarize what it is that Paul is telling the Ephesians about the power of love in their life, in the world, and for the kingdom of God. Because as we lean into verses 8 through 13, it's summarized, middle of verse 12, it says this, All that I know now is partial and incomplete. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Friends, think about that. Everything that you know, 
all of your life experience, all of your education, all the books that you've read, all the podcasts you listen to, all the news that you read, everything that you know is only partial and incomplete. God is the only one who holds a view of this earth with a perspective that sees all things. You and I are reliant on God to show us how to act, how to think, how to live, how to talk in love because we recognize with humility that we only see in part. Paul lays out that even the gifts of the Spirit, they're only in part. Even if you can prophesy, you only see part. He likens it to a baby or a child and how when that child grows, he sees the world differently and leaves behind childish ways. And that love is the thing that will never fail. Because all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely. There will come a time when the peace that passes understanding floods our soul. When the love of God is no longer a mystery. When the wisdom of God fills our soul, there will come that time. And when that happens, it will be just as God now knows me completely. Just as God now knows me completely. Friends, can you imagine a God, a loving Father who knows everything about you, everything about your past, everything about your present, everything that you think, everything that you feel, the shame that you carry, the weight that you bear, the joy that you have, the beliefs and the opinions that you hold, you are fully known by him and you are perfectly loved by him. A perfect love that casts out fear. Can you imagine that if we were a people that truly walked in that experience of God's love, what freedom would rise up out of us to extend that same knowing and being known to others? Yes, to know their faults, to know their sins, to know their weaknesses, their joys, their wisdom, and yet to see them in the light of God's love and to treat them with patience and kindness, to refrain from rudeness to keep no record of wrongs. Can you imagine living in a world like that? There's a name for it. It's called the kingdom of God. Jesus came and he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Yes, friends, we, we await the perfection of eternity when we shall know completely. And even in this broken space, we still get to walk in the, the price that Jesus paid and the purchase that he bought for us that we get to live in his kingdom now and in perfection in the future. And he said the way in was repent for the kingdom of God is near. Friends, repentance is this idea that God convicts us. I'm guessing that for some of us, that's been happening today. God has put his gentle finger on some ways that we interact with others. And he said, this is something, this is a clanging symbol. This is something I would change. And repentance is that invitation to hear from God and to turn and to change our way and to act more lovingly to those around us. We've been invited today by his kindness to consider where we need to be more loving. And friends, this is not a checklist. Have I been patient? Check. Have I been kind? Check. Have I been rude? Mm, I'm going to work on that one tomorrow. This isn't something that you try harder at. This is the reality of being wind-powered people. When we have the Holy Spirit living in us, this is what will flow out of us. We will become more patient. He will empower us to be more kind. He will give us courage not to keep a record of wrongs. Because wind-powered people have influence over in God's kingdom because of love. Because of God's love for us and the love that he empowers us to give to others. We are called to live in love and unity in order to show the world a different way, the way of living in perfect love. And yet, friends, some of us are so concerned, 
Some of us are so quick to be offended or we've been wounded and we're walking in unforgiveness or we're cynical and we just have a hard time believing that anything could turn to the good or we've set up self-defenses or we're so full of anxiety. Friends, we're so full of the things that wrestle within us that we forget about being loving. And when we don't walk in love the way that God has defined love, the world cannot hear, know, or recognize Jesus in us. So there's two things I want to ask you to do today. One is ask Holy Spirit to expose any unloving ways and empower you with his love. Ask Holy Spirit to expose any unloving ways and empower you with his love. And the other thing I want to say is this, and it's not going to be up on a slide, but as you navigate these relationships or situations where loving is hard, you might find that you need extra help. You might find that you need someone to walk with you. And I want to point out two ministries here at Salem Alliance Church that would be so helpful. The first one is our peacemaker ministries. This ministry exists to help people learn how to walk in a God-honoring way, which would include love through conflict and through tension. So our peacemaker ministries. And the second one is our marriage ministries. For some of you, the pain of this message is that your spouse is the one that you are having the hardest time loving right now. I know that in 2020, with all the external pressures, there are people whose marriages are just struggling under the weight of the relational tensions. And our marriage ministry stands ready with mentors and pastors and materials and resources to give you some hope and some ways to move forward. So for either of those, you could email me. I'm Jennifer Roth. You can find me on the website, jroth at salemalliance.org. You could just go to the website. There's actually a form just for sending a question to Salem Alliance and send it in. It'll make its way to me. But don't, don't be afraid to ask for some help as you navigate this path of turning towards being a loving person. As we finish this morning, I want to invite my daughter, Abigail, to come and join me. She's going to read this scripture out of the message. The message is a paraphrase of this scripture. And sometimes when we hear these familiar words in a less familiar context, it helps bring them alive in a new way. And so just take this time as a response to what God has been raising in your heart as the, as the message has been given. And listen to these words as we head back to worship. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith to say to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give all I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So. No matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. 
But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.